welcome everybody to our next field trip in rotation here. And man alive, it feels like we have been been trying to go ahead and get our schedules to align to bring in tonight's host and game creator for quite a while. And I'm really super stoked to go ahead and and finally have him in studio here. Before we go ahead and introduce him and bring him in here, Mr. Myers, Mr. Miller, good evening. Nice to see you all. It's nice we're kind of getting back into the swing of things after our after our summer holiday here. So this is very nice to see you. Hope things are well down in Connecticut. Things are very good. Had a wonderful weekend. Got to see a great concert. Chill out with Glenn, his wife, my wife. That was uh, a lot, a lot of good times. Uh, Friday come down. night, and then Saturday, I get, went out with another uh, couple that we know and got to do some karaoke. Threw down behind the mic, all the good stuff, some classics. Even busted out some ACDC, and then couldn't talk afterwards. I like it. But, I like but it. Never so much that I wasn't ready for this here tonight. Do you have witnesses that can attest to the fact that you couldn't talk? That Lee Wanika could not speak. <laughs> yeah, so I overstated that a shade. It hurt to talk, but I was still capable of the activity. And you chose to anyway, despite the yeah, yeah, did yeah. you yeah, not? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I'll sacrifice it all for love of the game. Because, like, my image of reality was beginning to shift shakily just yeah, in yeah, thinking yeah, that yeah. Lee Wanika could be silenced. Yeah, yeah. He much more readily believed the fact that he overstated what happened than the fact that he couldn't talk. Like that, that made much more sense to me than, than anything fair else. Fair enough, but, fair uh, enough. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Without any further ado, let us introduce you all out in the Tabletop Journeys audience to Jay Moore, who's bringing in his game, Faye. Jay, welcome to Tabletop Journeys. Nice to hey, finally meet you. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Hello. Absolutely. Great to see you and that talk with you on the show. Jay, you and I have been in contact for a little over a year. We met through friend of Tabletop Journeys, Mr. Dave. Actually, close to two years ago, I believe. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Been when I started this little RPG journey of mine. Yes. So we've been waiting for a long time to have you here and kind of run this game and show us what it's about. Talk to our audience. And we love indie games. We love indie creators. And that's why we're here today. Yeah, absolutely. So, Jay, let's cut right to the chase here. So, tell us about Faye. What is the game about? What was the origin of the game? Where did the idea come from? All that sort of stuff. Okay. Faye is a game where you are the monsters. Unlike most of these other types of games where you play heroes, this time you are the things that go bump in the night. You are the things that steal children. You are the things that do their own things, whether you're extra malicious about it or whether you just have your own agenda and the human world doesn't fit with your agenda. It's up to you. Really, the sky's the limit. But the game itself takes place in the modern world. Everybody in the game plays fey creatures, which include fairies, leprechauns, mogwai. You can play trolls, goblins, all kinds of different things. But the main point of the game is that whatever it is you're trying to do, you do not want to be caught. You don't want to be discovered by people. You don't want to be live streamed. This is the modern world. So it's actually <laughs> probably the most dangerous time ever for fake creatures to avoid being discovered. So basically what happens is if you are discovered, the best thing you can do is destroy everything and everyone that has discovered you <laughs> and then cover your tracks. Amazing. <laughs> so this is a great game for anybody who wants to let out some frustrations. I am looking forward to this. Not that I have a particularly stressful job, but man, I, this sounds this sounds like an awful lot of fun. It reminds me of, of our old uh, Vampire the Masquerade kind of days. I, guess. It, it was, I was heavily influenced yeah. by the old White Wolf games. Excellent. I don't even call White Wolf anymore, but 
So I haven't played RPGs in probably about 25 years. Oh, wow. Just to age myself a little bit. I played in college and then it kind of put on the shelf. And eventually at one point when you're desperate for money, you sell your miniatures, you sell your books to people. And you regret that later in life when you start getting into games again. But I had created this world for my comic series, Autumn Grey, which is about fairies and monsters ruining people's lives. And I'm I, a theme here. I, I, was like, I have this world and I have so many story ideas, but I don't know if you guys have ever worked on comics. Telling a story in a comic, especially when you're doing it by yourself, is very slow. It takes a lot of time drawing out each page. It takes forever. And I grew impatient, especially since I still had a lot of other projects I was working on. I'm an artist I, and a writer. I do a lot of work for Dynamite. I've done a little bit of DC recently. I do a, a lot of work with different indie publishers, Fivefinity. I'm an art director for a small movie house that are starting their third production coming up. So I have a lot of different gigs I'm juggling. And, nice. and finding time to write these stories for this world I created was not happening. So I decided, what if I created this world in a way that people could play in it, and then we, I could tell my stories much faster. Uh, other people could tell stories. I have a vast amount of writers and artists that I'm friends with, and they love the idea of being able to tap into this world I created and create their own things in it. So it just felt natural that I create a tabletop roleplay game that is in this world because now people can live in this world and it created a whole new level of excitement for me. Another thing that always bugged me at Comic-Cons, I hadn't done gaming conventions because simply I didn't have games, but I still do a lot of Comic-Cons and a lot of times people pay to go into a Comic-Con and then the only thing in the Comic-Con is shopping. It's oh, like there's got to be more entertainment. I, I feel like I want to entertain people with what I have. So I, again, the RPG thing just made sense. I'm like, what if I just set up a table and I'm like, come sit down, let's just play the game. So I had to create a game that was able to do everything I could think of in my world. It also, I'm very familiar with way too many superheroes and way too many science fiction things and way too many fantasy things, but I wanted to make sure that I could create a version of anything I could think of. Like I took all the X-Men and I'm like, can you make this X-Man and this game? <laughs> and I found ways of picking abilities and combining them. There you go. There's Nightcrawler. There's Wolverine. There's just, I wanted to make sure it had the versatility, but then I also needed to make it simple enough that I could sit down at a noisy convention with six to eight people. And in about five, 10 minutes, we're going into the game. So I had to create a streamlined system that I could use with all these different kinds of abilities, but they all use the same universal rules that once you learn the rules, you could read any ability and right off the bat how it functions. And that's really what I wanted to do, especially since I'm busy. I know we all have day jobs. And it, another thing that happened is I sat down and looked at fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons for the first time. Last time I played it, it was second edition Dungeons and Dragons. So it felt extremely different. Mm. And there are so many rules. And I was like, I don't know when I'm going to have the time to really sit down and really pick up all these different rules and understand them. I'm playing it now. I'm part of a D&D group too, just for the mm -hmm. fun of it. But it was daunting. And I wanted to create a system where you could sit down 
and in about 15 minutes you understand the rules then if you're a diehard gamer it's all about the alchemy of the game like picking the different things and mixing them the way you want and getting your yeah. character to really be what you want to do yep. and honestly this is why we love doing so first of all thank you for all of that that's amazing thank you for all the background that really gives a lot of perspective and where the game came from and everything like that <clears throat> but we one of the things that we love doing with these field trips is bringing in creators like you to go ahead and run the game for us. And for exactly the reason that you said is like sitting down and learning a new game system. We're all busy. That's a really tough, that's a really tough prospect. But the fact that you can give us like a 30 page player's guide and we can get everything that we need out of that player's guide that we need to go ahead and navigate through the game and everything like that. And then you come on and you can run a game for us and work through the rules and everything like that. We love learning games this way directly from the creator's mouth. So thank you, first of all, for going ahead and taking the time tonight. And we're really looking forward to this. Yeah. And I also, regarding the background, when I read your comic, I absolutely loved the world and the, the sensory feeling that your art had. And I love the fact that art carries into this. I'm a big fan of the fact that you spelled Faye the way I prefer it to be spelled, F-A-E. For those who didn't see the title card on the episode, that's my preferred method of spelling Faye. I think it just is cool. It has the right amount of uh, je ne sais quoi, famous to it. So I, I love those elements and it's very thematic. I see a lot of what you're, where you're coming from as far as some of the s background inspiration being the old White Wolf vampire games and such. That's where we all collectively cut our teeth as well. And we played a lot of second edition as well. So like we're right, right with you on that. All right, so let's take a minute and kind of go around and introduce the characters that we're going to be playing then. We'll go uh, one by one here and uh, talk through some of the aspects of our creature here and talk through uh, some of the rules here a little bit here. I am this evening going to be playing a Banshee, and the Banshees are sneaky, ghosty human types. They Their affinity, my p particular affinity is, uh, is glamour. So that's the trickster, not much for combat, not much for healing, but mostly trickster sneaky type and uh, let's see here his name is vister v-i-s-t-e-r and uh, my loyalty is hubristic which basically means that uh, part of the and, and jay maybe you can explain the loyalty access a little bit here when we're done but basically my loyalty i have loyalty to no queen i am only loyal to myself i get no pluses or minuses for my bonus for my loyalty here yeah so i'm playing josh from the mid 90s basically so it's a uh, it's pretty great so yeah so there are different uh, loyalties in the game. There are essentially three fey queens in the current world, and you can choose to be a f disciple of one of them. There are pluses and minuses to being a disciple of any of them, but most fey, especially fey that decide to defect to the human world and do their own thing, are usually either hubristic, which is, uh, like you said, you're all about yourself, or they're the dreaded, they're called... Twilus mongers. Twilus is the queen that has been banished by the other queens. Twilus is the queen that revels in chaos and destruction of the human world. So basically, Faye that caused chaos and destruction in the human world to give her power. And that's why currently the other two queens enforce a strict no discovery policy on all Faye. If you are discovered, they send out what they call truants, which are basically sent out to execute you. And that's not a good thing. You don't want that. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> so if you are playing a Twi'less monger in this game, you are essentially a villain of the Fey world and the human world, and your bonuses are based on bringing misery to both. The other two queens are Dawn, 
who is the queen of material possessions. She loves shiny things. She loves gifts. A lot of times, Dawn disciples go into the human world to steal treasures for their queen, which is why she'll permit them to go to the human world, as long as she is getting presents. Dawn, Fae that follow Dawn get bonuses for casting abilities with items. They believe, like, I'll give it a, a simple example, Dumbo, believing that he needs the feather to fly. So as long as he has the feather, casting the flight spell would be easier. But if he does not have the feather, it's more difficult. So Dawn, Faye, always have items and things they need to do in order to cast their abilities. Or at least that they believe they need in order to cast their abilities. So it's almost like self-created magical items. And some of them get really wacky. I had one Dawn character that had a kid's spy kit. So for one ability, he was using binoculars. For another one, he was dusting for fingerprints. Do all kinds of wacky things like that. And then the other queen that you could be following currently is Luna, who is the queen of essentially like inner peace. She's about namaste. Basically, as long as you're succeeding, you get bonuses. But the moment you mess up, you mentally break down and you start getting neg negatives to your character. <laughs> you're kind of like a three-year-old, where as long as you keep getting what you want, you're doing it okay. But as, <laughs> as soon as you mess up, you completely lose your crap and you start messing up. So those are essentially the three different queens in the modern Fae world. And cool. And But most of the time, especially when I'm doing a campaign with new people, I recommend just being hubristic all about yourself. Because it's one less thing that you need to keep track of. Yeah. Once you're more familiar with the game, it's easier to pay more attention to the different queens and what they can and can't give you. Sure. Cool. All right. Excellent. Let us uh, actually one other thing just to explain, just to go ahead and get the uh, recording of the rule on air here. Explain. So, like I said, Vister is a glamour affinity, and that yes. is basically his tree, his power tree that allows yes. him to go ahead and do stuff using his uh, his glamour points. Can you explain a little bit about the trees themselves and how they work and everything? Sure. Every once you pick a race in this game, which there are thirty five different races to pick from in, in the initial book here, each race has two different elements that you can choose as their main element or affinity, as they're called in this game. There are seven different affinities to pick from. You have your four standard game elements, fire, water, earth, and air. And then you also have plants as an element, and you have animals as an element. And then the seventh element, which is what your character is focused on, is basically the non-element. It's the element of illusion. It's mm -hmm. the element of pulling the wool over others' eyes. Yeah. It's the element you choose when... You don't want to have to choose combat. It has a lot of ways of getting out of combat, yep. invisibility, ways of, of adding ailments to your enemies, yeah. uh, confusion, that kind of stuff. A bunch of prestidigitation type stuff. So I can teleport, I can I can make dancing lights, I can create false yeah. items, all that sort of stuff. Yep. Cool. Excellent. All right. Glenn, why don't, uh, why don't you say who you're playing tonight, sir? I'm Puddin. <laughs> Big troll. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't like no queens. Hungry. Feed Puddin' now. <laughs> yeah, so he's playing Puddin', who's oh, the muscle of the group. Puddin' is a troll. Puddin' <laughs> is nine feet tall. He's green. He's got like an 80s goth look to him. He's, Excellent. He's the muscle of the group. Fancy fingerless gloves. Very pretty. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> nice actually, leather. he does have fingerless gloves. Very nice. Uh, mm. Trench coat. 
Ah, jeez. Of course. Imagine I can imagine Vister periodically creating fingers for your gloves as an illusion, just to make you think you put the wrong ones on. Puddin mm. like to imagine eating Vister's brain. <laughs> so, Puddin is the official muscle of the group. His intelligence Excellent. and wit are low enough that uh, they, he won't be making too many decisions. <laughs> but he will make a lot of his affinity is Terra, which is Earth, which yep. gives him things like unbreakable grip. He has abilities like. He could cast armor on himself. He can also create a weapon if he needs to, if he can't just pick something up and use it as a weapon. So he's he's pretty versatile, and he's basically your big punching bag in this party. Excellent. Last bit about Puddin, as long as it fits within the Fey rules, because we haven't talked about equipment or anything, but I envision Puddin carrying, like, an entire half side of beef by the femur, and that's what he's yeah. eating off of. And he's got a big-ass bone in his other hand, which is what he uses for a club. Mm. Currently, on your items, you do not have those as we start, but you can definitely find things and use them in those ways. Fair enough. Continue. (laughs) All right, right, Mr. Miller. Try to bring some sense of order to this. There'll be no order here. Figs. Malway. I am hubristic. I care about me and getting what I want, when I want how I want, using those around me to get what I want, when I want, how I want. I'm the tallest of my kind at a whole one foot. <laughs> and I don't take grief from anybody. Jeez, ah, someone that's Nobody. actually shorter than me. <laughs> and if they want to give me grief, I give them thumb technicals. <laughs> yes, he has, his, his weapon is essentially thumbtacks wrapped in tape on his knuckles so he can punch things. Excellent. Mm, pudding like figs shows much spirit. Also handy for emergency <laughs> snack. And picks him up and puts him on his shoulder. <laughs> yeah, you'll do a lot of riding on his like, shoulder. Like Yoda with Chewbacca. That's- so Figs is the official leader of this ragtag group. Figs has a brother called Big Figs who, is, <laughs> who has assigned him. There, there's actually a bio where Big Figs has made Figs be the leader of the group. Figs doesn't want it because it's just a problem. You guys are a reckless crew. <laughs> <laughs> but, I'm getting that sense. Yeah. But all Puddin actually really knows is that he was told to listen to Figs. He doesn't know what the actual mission is, but he does know that he's been told to listen to Figs. Good to like, good yeah. Puddin like Pig. So Figs is a mugwai. He's a, as, as he said, he's a foot tall. And his affinity is aqua, so he's he's actually leans more towards the ice side more than the water side. He's also the only one with any healing in the party, so mm. you probably don't want to ditch him. <laughs> Good call. Yeah, all right. He does not have much of it either, so you're going to have to be careful. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. He's far more likely to use it himself than either of you guys. So, <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right, cool. That is our characters. Can you just go over briefly, and, and unless it's gonna, just going to come up naturally in early gameplay, how the affinities work? Sure. I'll just quickly go over it just now. So every affinity on your character sheet, you have the name of the affinity ability, then you have the level, and then what stat it is tied to, as you can see on your sheets. I'm looking right now at Fig's sheet, and I'll just look particularly at Create Ice. He has a Create Ice at level 10, and the stat it's tied to is Strength Self. Essentially, the way the levels on all the abilities work is it costs 
one point of your M- your magic points to cast each level of an ability, unless it specifies otherwise. So essentially, with create ice, the way it would work is you would decide what level of it you wanted to cast. You could, since you have it up to level ten, your character has it all the way to level ten. You could cast it at level ten, but you could cast it at any level lower than that in order to conserve MP. Because I'm just looking right now at Fig's sheet, and he only has 22 MP. So you could cast Create Ice twice and be left with 2 MP at level 10. So you have to gauge in this game, there's an MP mitigation, where you're trying to guess how lucky you're going to be at the dice rolls, or how much of the ability you actually need to accomplish what it is you're trying to accomplish. With Create Ice, he could cast it up to level 10, and then every ability is tied to a stat. If it's a self on a stat, you want to roll your stat number or under on a d10. So with Create Ice, it's under Strength Self. So you would roll a d for each level you cast of the ability. You would roll one d10, and you want to roll your Strength number or under. So Fig's strength is three, so he would want to roll a three or under on each die. And each die that's rolled a three or under is a success. And then if you read the ability, I believe create ice, the success determines how far from your character you've frozen the water. So say if you cast it at level 10, it would cost you 10 MP and you would roll 10 D10s. And every D10 that was three or under would be a success. And it'd be that times five foot in every direction. So say you got... Four, four of the dice were three or under. For 20 feet in every direction around you, the water would freeze. So strength-based ability with only a three strength is a rough ability for you to yes, use. You yes. could actually regularly have fizzles where you don't bet enough dice, you don't get under three, you spent your magic and nothing happens. Correct, correct. And then right. just to add a little detail to that, a crit happens when you roll the exact number at least twice in one cast. So if three is your target number and you roll two threes, then you're going to go to the crit chart, which is, I believe it's also on all your sheets and your PDFs there. I'll actually grab one and have it sitting here with me so that we have a quick reference. But uh, the crit sheet means it can be good and it can be bad. It's about a 50-50 shot when you roll a crit. It's You're right on the edge is basically the way it works in this game. And the higher you roll, the better whatever it is that happens you could essentially destroy yourself but you could also essentially destroy your target and then everything in between if you roll three of the exact number in one cast you don't have to roll to the bad side of the chart there's a chart which is all good called the ultra crit chart which you automatically go to that one so say you would cast a level 10 create ice and you got three threes you could go to the ultra crit chart and roll a d10 to find out what added effect happens then, so every self stat, you every time you're rolling for yourself, you want the stat number or under. Rolling the exact stat number is always the best. Rolling under still passes. So if I said I need everyone to make a sneak check, you would roll a d10, and you want to roll your sneak number or under, okay? And if you roll over, it's a fail. And then the opposite is in effect if it's your opponent. There are abilities that are the stat of other. So if you cast, Figs doesn't have any others, but I believe some others probably have some others. I bet Bister. I, I, I have a ton, yeah. 
Yeah. Whether you want to roll their their stat number or over. Oh, okay. So whenever it's the other, you want over. Whenever it's yourself, you want under. Okay, so just for as an example, so I have slumber for ability uh, for an ability yep. that lets me put somebody to sleep. If I was trying to put him to sleep, it is a wit roll, so I would need to roll against his wit score, and yes. because it's an other ability, I'd want to roll over it. Correct. Mm, wouldn't like naps, but need full belly first. Yep. And is it the same thing where if I roll exactly his wit score, then if you roll then two it, of exact, you go yep. to the crit chart. Yep. Okay, and then and then the number of dice is determined by how so much, how many magic pass. points I spell. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I have five levels in slumber. I can roll up to five. Correct. One per magic point. Correct. And Great. one other detail I will just add: if you have level ten in an ability, you've unlocked the mastery. If you read the description, there's an added effect if you've maxed mm-hmm. out the ability. And the like added it. effect is automatic when you cast it at any level once you've unlocked it. Oh, okay, cool. All right. So if you have a level 10 ability and it has an added effect, like there's some area of effect abilities that you can actually select people to not be affected by the area of effect ability as the mastery. Nice. You have that no matter what level you cast it at as long as you've unlocked it, as long as your character has level 10 of that ability. Cool. All right. Actually, so that, reading was, that was a great question. Lunica, yeah. Ability descriptions, guys, if you have level 10 in the ability – the added mastery is also something that's in your wheelhouse. That, that was a good piece of information because I do have yeah. mastery in one. So now uh, I have mastery as well. abilities yeah. as well. So the other question is looking at my abilities, I have a feeling that I'm going to be chewing through magic points quite a bit because many of them are very expensive. Yes. Combat. How do I regain? Yeah. So just so you guys, I know you guys, we all come from like a D&D background and combat is what it's all about. In this game, combat is very fast and furious. You have a put-in. So if you can get to the point where you're just doing a hit-to-hit thing, you're probably going to smash something's teeth in. In the real world, if you had a... Uh, in the real world, yeah. If you had a nine-foot hulking troll punching a little mogwai, if he landed a hit, it wouldn't take too many of those to make the mogwai not move anymore. So, Fair point. So there are a lot of times when exchanging fisticuffs is not the way to go. This is a more of a role-play-centric game. Okay. But combat is pretty quick and you and i'm a big fan of the rule of cool i'm always going to lean towards that so excellent pudding always punch <laughs> humans are squishy oh jeez he's always the puncher god squishy right. squishy so <laughs> anyone have any other questions before we start jumping in no i, I think, think that's good i think we're good yeah all right, one yeah, other once thing we actually add, start throwing down some ability checks and using some abilities all of that will start to click into you, place you can recover mp by meditating if you're in combat and you call that you're going to meditate, basically for the entire round, nothing can happen to you and you can't do anything. As long as you aren't hit or distracted by anything, by the time your next round comes up, you've successfully meditated and you get okay. back 1d10 MP plus your wit. And cool. then on your character sheet, you see the meditation chart there. You would check off the top box. So the second time you meditated, oh. you get one less. And then one lap. Basically, this is a one-shot <laughs> story, but if we were doing like a full-on campaign throughout the day, you basically get mentally exhausted to the point that you can't get MP back until you officially rest. Until you, ah, you, you okay. actually take your eight hours of rest. Okay, that's really cool. I like that a lot. So, okay. that is yeah, so you basically can become mentally exhausted pretty fast, but as long as you can be left alone for a short bit, you can recover. Yeah. All right. <laughs> 
Cool. All right. I'm good. Anybody else have any questions? Yes. One final question. My item, gnome skull necklace. Target wit check minus one, five charges. How does that actually get used? So, If you target someone with it, they must make a wit check. Target wit. I used to have something else on that description. I believe if they take, if you use it, somebody makes a wit check or they lose one wit. Basically, they lose their mind. Okay. So I'll just quickly tell you what the stats are. Most of them are pretty obvious. And I'll also tell you how a physical attack happens before we start. So you have your strength, which is obviously your strength. Like, Puddin has nine strengths, so he gets plus two damage to every hit. Yes, exactly. (laughs) All your stats are one through ten. Actually, no one has a one. One is, two is animal intelligence, so one would be like a sponge intelligence. (laughs) At least Puddin's over animal by one. Three is... just so you understand, five is your average face stat. Six is your average human stat. In in the, in the typical world, a human's average is a little stronger than a fake creature. Yep. But fake creatures have magical abilities that, that give them the advantage. So you have strength, you have speed. Speed is used not only for running, but it's how many attacks you get in, in one turn. So if you do a physical attack, you're going to roll your speed number of dice and you're rolling against your opponent's speed. So basically you want to roll your opponent's speed or over. And each one that lands does a certain amount of damage. So if you have a super high speed, and but, you only, but you're super weak, you may only do one point per hit, but you might be able to slap them like six or seven times yep. in one turn. Then next stats are intelligence and wit. Intelligence is your book smarts, under, understanding complex thoughts and memorizing things and that kind of thing. Wit is your your spur of the moment mental reaction, like whether you choose wisely in a in the heat of the moment or whether you completely blank. <laughs> and, and numbers like three in any of these stats are just above animal. So basically, the fact that your intelligence and wit are both three means that you are just capable of talking. See, si. yeah, charm. Also, only have three. Three charm. No, no you're charm. Great. You're very charming. Yes. Charm is your ability to persuade to others, pretty. to negotiate, to try to rationalize with somebody. And then sneak is not only your ability to do something sneaky, you use it a lot when you're trying not to get noticed, but it's also to notice others doing sneaky things. So you may have a high sneak, not because you're a sneaky character, but because you're good at noticing other things people are doing. And those are your stats. Those are the, all the abilities are tied to one of those. Unless, and again, I'm looking at, I'm looking at Puddin Sheet. He's got one called Unbreakable Grip, which I wrote down level two only because it costs two points to buy. And it's essentially, it's an always ability. He doesn't yeah, have to power. It's always on. It basically means that you can't take whatever's in his hand out of his hand. Unless you I call that um, ability. Like there yeah. are other abilities like that, like gills, where you don't have to cast but if you're underwater, you can breathe. There's glide, which means that if the floor drops out from under you, you aren't going to fall and get hurt. Like they're just abilities that you don't have to you don't have to cast. They're just once you have them, you just have them. I think I covered. The only other thing I can think of is under you have another category called skills, and those are those include your what weapon how to use, and those include just like finesse things that your character knows how to do. So if we're in a situation, like, again, I'm looking at Puddin's sheet because it's still the one in front of me. 
and he has the ability silence under one of his skills. So as hard as it is to hide as a nine foot tall green monster, you can at least very sneaky. hold your breath and make no noise. So if you did find something you'd hide behind, you could say, all right, I'm going to use silence and you would, and it's tied to your sneak. So I would have you make a sneak check to be completely silent. I see. And I figured silence was going to be silencing somebody else to take them out. Without silencing somebody else. Out. Oh, that's what your strength is for. <laughs> <laughs> right. Fair enough. All so, right. So those are like, those are flavor things. It doesn't grant you a special ability, but it grants you negotiation when you're trying to do something there, when you're trying to convince me how to do something. Like contorting. Like there's no rules for contorting, but I have that as one of my skills. And so basically if I can contort my up, body around things. Say, I want to use my contortion to see if I can wriggle out of these ropes. Yeah. Or okay. if you're trying to reach around some bars and get something in an awkward position, yeah. you can use yep. it. Perfect. Um, literacy is also a skill. I don't think any of you have it. So reading maps or anything like that isn't going to happen. I can I can show you lovely images of maps, but mm. you're not going to understand anything on the maps. And I would assume that the three of us all speak common, right? Yes. Okay. Common is the language that is universally understood. Common is the magical language of speaking in whatever language everyone else speaks. So if you're talking to people in common, if they're English-speaking people, they hear it in English. If they're Spanish-speaking people, they hear it in Spanish. It's kind of like that Star Trek translator kind of thing where we're all going to understand each other in our own languages so you'd speak common if you want everyone to understand you could speak you can speak other racial languages that are racial specific if you don't want others to understand what you're saying but if we don't have another language we only speak common would that be correct it's actually i'm looking at puddin sheep puddin speaks oddly enough troll and common I, i think the only one that has an extra language on here is Figs. Figs also knows how to speak troll. Yep. I also speak Banshee, but if neither of you speak Banshee, then that doesn't matter. No, that's not going to help I speak Malway, I speak troll, and I speak common. So in a game where a bunch of people are playing the same race, or maybe, so everyone in the party might choose, and then like maybe there's one person that's a different race, they might choose to speak that language. So you could all have a conversation without anyone around you understanding you. It's like that. I, I can give Puddin secret orders that Banshee doesn't even know I'm saying. Yeah, you can mm-hmm. speak and troll to him. <clears throat> Excellent. So, I, I, a disclosure here on the on this adventure before we get started. Normally, this adventure takes place with six players. I picked out these three because they work the best together. Without the other ones, the way this originally worked was everyone got a bio. Jesus is in charge, but there are two other characters in the party that are on a completely separate mission and don't give a crap that Figs is in charge. And then there's one character in the group who. was actually working exact opposite of everyone else there. So Mm -hmm. they were looking for opportunities to undermine what's going on in the adventure. A little paranoia vibe thrown in. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. So we're a little streamlined here. You're you're in safer hands, Figs. You're not, you don't have a party of people that are ready to kill you at this moment anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get something to eat soon, might change. <laughs> so, and I, I don't know if I gave any sort of a background at all for Vister. I know Figs, Figs is the leader. He didn't want to be the leader. Puddin was told to follow Figs. And then Vister, let's see if, yeah, he was one of the people that had a side plan, but the side plan doesn't work without one of the other characters. Yep, of course. So, you're basically the stealth of the group. Yep. That's totally fine. He's the brains, he's the brawn, I'm the quick one. It's, yeah, exactly. Yep. You're cool. the bard. 
I'm the bard, exactly. Yeah. Or a banshee. Yeah. I don't have that much uh, that Outfitting. much charisma, so yeah. Ban- well, but banshees wail and have are full of hot air. It's true. Perfectly yeah. cast. That's right. <laughs> and just so you guys understand, mugwise in this game are based on the actual folklore, not on the movie. Um, <laughs> I figured that out. They're, they're <laughs> like rabid. They're like little rabid dogs. Let me actually give you that one tout. I haven't done the research to check your background, but it seems as though you based all of your races off of actual legend and fable, yes. which I thought was well, fantastic. I didn't even mention that so. during the thing before. I have a lot of different cultures, fake creatures in here. I've got some Hindu ones. I've got some Buddhist ones. I've got a couple like from different places in the world. Like I wanted to bring in other cultures, fairy creatures. So there are some differences and i also stuck to the more of the original folklore version of it over what D has defined it as or lord of the rings has defined it as i pushed that aside and i'm like all right i'm going back more to the roots of it nice cool. so a lot of times cool. you'll, you'll assume something is one thing like you assume getting figs wet means you'll have a whole bunch of figs but a whole bunch of figs <laughs> <laughs> something to eat yeah but that's all we mean that's a whole bunch of figs means pudding makes pie Big pie. Figgy pudding. Figgy pudding. Oh my god. I just thought of that. I we have a real name now. We are figgy pudding. Oh you good. are figgy pudding. Uh, yep. Oh, yeah. Figgy pudding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. I think we're ready to go ahead and, and crack in here. And I'm sure that's why we'll have more questions as Christmas. Comes up. At Christmas, yeah. everybody sings our song. In the back of a Mack truck, you got pudding. He's strapped to the wall. You got so he doesn't crush anybody. It's a bumpy ride. He's kind of like a little bit like a Hannibal Lecter, you know. The weapon is ready to be released. Figs, you're relieved that the other three couldn't make it because you already don't really have good feelings about this mission. And then Vister, you're just kind of like, oh man, like I had a plan, but it's not going to go through. And just the way it is at this point. The other guys did pick a hell of a day not to show up. Exactly. So you guys are being sent to the Ruggleberg Mall. It's a mall. You are being sent to assassinate a fae named Malfor. He has made himself known, which is the big no-no, and you guys are being sent as an enforcement in order to remove him. You don't have much information at all on him, but you are being dropped off at the loading dock at the mall, and you are to find him. It is nighttime. The mall is closed and you're officially tasked with finding Malfor and eliminating him. One thing in the Fey world is when you reach zero hit points, you are unconscious, and killing Fey in general, unless you have other queen's permission, is considered a no-no. But in this case, you have permission. You have been blessed with killing this thing. So, just so you understand that. So, in general, if you guys happen to hit zero hit points, until something consciously decides to kill you at that point, you lie unconscious. So you're not out of the game if you hit zero hit points as long as somebody can make you better. So the truck is being driven by a nymph who looks human enough to be able to drive the truck. You guys are part of a group that essentially is a truant task force. Big Figs, Figs' brother is high up on the chain of command and Figs, who is not really qualified to run a crew, is being given the opportunity because his brother is important. Mister, you know of his brother. He's a big wig. This little guy doesn't really mean too much to you other than 
if you made an enemy of his brother, there'd be a problem. But do I also know for sure that this is like nepotism at its finest? Like the whole reason why Figs is in charge is because his brothers. You believe so? Yes. Yes. And, and we're all aware that his brothers are referred to as Big Figs. Big Figs is his brother. Yes. And we all know that's what he's called, right? That's his older brother. That we even Figs. know who Big Figs is, but but you were told to listen to Figs. Big listen Figs to little told Fig. you to listen to Figs, and that's. You don't really understand the whole going from Alfor. You don't. You don't know that. You just know. Listen to big. Listen to Figs. Figs like, is Figs like a family name or like what's up with that? Name you get. Basically, <laughs> Fig, if you really want to get into it, Figs' parents could not come up with another name. They liked the name Figs, <laughs> so they had Figs, and then they had another kid, and they were like. We'll call it Figs. So now we have two Figs. We'll call the other one Big Figs. And then they had a third one, and they thus- thusly named it, ready for it? Little Figs. Damn. That's, I was going to call so he's like Middle Figs. figs. Little figs. Yeah, figs. he's Medium Figs. Mm. He's like Middle Figs. Mid Figs. Mid Figs. But I'm Mid-fig. the tallest. <laughs> <laughs> he's a hulking one foot tall. All right, boss. So what do we do here? Like, how we? So you what guys we... are being. You got. You're expecting to meet a Mugwai named Mukatu at the loading dock. He's been stationed here to look out for things. Mugwai don't like other Mugwai. You're not trustworthy, so you automatically know that he's not trustworthy. But he's the one that's supposed to meet you here. He's been lurking in the vents and doing a little reconnaissance. So he is going to greet you at the gate and get you started. And he's going to go back to his hidey. So you guys pull up to the loading dock, you can feel the truck stop, and the back gets pulled open by this little guy, looks very much like Figs. He's got more of a red to his fur, and he has like a heat miser hairdo on top of his head. He's got like a little box in front of him, and he's got almost looks like a PlayStation controller on it. And he's got like little techie gizmos and things that you guys do not even understand. And he's, you guys, all right. So he keeps looking down at his little screen. He's keeping looking up. All right. So they are, the guy you're looking for, this Malfour guy, he's uh, he's uh, he's he's in the food court. They're having some sort of meeting. He's pretending to be one of the security guys here. So there's a couple of them up there. You just got to watch out for them, okay? All right. Security? All right. You guys can have at it. I want nothing to do with it. I don't want to get caught. So I'm, uh, I'm out. Wait. He literally just. Shuts off the little screen and starts strutting off to the side. You guys are looking into a loading dock. You have they have the plastic flaps that hang down to keep the air from traveling through, and it also has the air curtain machine. So the, as you're standing there looking out, the, you're getting like a gust of wind blowing into the back of the truck. There are various boxes scattered around in front of you. Most of them are labeled J.P. Nichols, and then there's a hallway at the end of the loading dock that, that leads to a metal door. And there's a sign on the door, but none of you can read. There's also a door off to the side, which has a little like stick figure symbol on it. And you see the little red Mukatu guy go in there and slam the door shut behind him. Do we follow him? We let him go food court. And then we watch him following the food. Eat, boss. Hungry now. Go to the food. May I unleash the straps, hoping he can smell his way. All right. Uh, you find that he'd already unleashed his straps because he can't. You can't strap him up anyway if he doesn't want you to. <laughs> there you go. 
fooled you. <laughs> Pudding wins. Cinnabon. <laughs> so fun. You guys just walk right up, rock right on out of the truck. Should we like? I've like, been unleashed. Yeah, I'm sm- following my nose. Oh, okay, geez. so you're right. just walking before he gets to the door. Yeah, man, I can't really. So uh, just so you understand, speed wise, Fig's walking speed is ten feet a turn. Okay. Puddin's walking speed is 30 feet a turn. So essentially, Puddin's strolling along. You can't keep up if you're running with him. Yeah. Before leaving, Puddin <laughs> would put Little Fig Boss on his shoulder. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I can like halfway between my walk speed and my run speed is your walk speed. So I'm like walking at a fast pace. To keep right. Yeah. You're kind of a little scuttle yeah. and you walk and scuttle. Yeah. 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 All yeah. right. So you guys just beeline so, right to the door. Uh, uh, I'm uh, looking geez, to see if there's how, cameras how or anything around. Entirely like, accurate. While following my nose, Puddin is also scanning for anything that he could use to smash somebody with and eat with equal. Okay. So you're looking around. There's a pallet jack some wooden pallets, and there's a whole bunch of boxes stacked up here and there. And again, you can't read them, so I guess saying J.P. Nichols doesn't help you at all. (laughs) It's okay. You said enough. Before leaving, then, with his massive strength and complete lack of technical skills, Putin is going to attempt to rip the large metal handle off of a pallet jack, because if he can succeed, that big round handle, then it'll make a great... Okay, so you step on the jack and you go to pull the handle. Give me a strength check minus two just because it is industrial grade. So strength check minus two means that you're going to subtract two from your strength and you got to beat that. With one die roll? One die roll. You want to roll... Seven or less. Seven or less, yep. I got a seven. Exact? Exact. All right, so you do it effortlessly. You almost like... You can actually twirl the thing in the air, like you're almost like. Geez, I could have just pulled the, could have just pulled the pin out for you. You didn't have to do that. Big club. In fact, it didn't even make much noise. Give it a couple of test swings and smash a shelf with it. All right. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you can. You're making a, a ruckus. You're smashing stuff. I just want to know if it worked. It does. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. All right. Boss. Hey. Hey. So we find the guys. Good stick Go, for crushing. We find the guys. I'll just put them all to sleep. Just put them all to sleep. We can pick out the guy we need. Don't need to worry about the security guards. You can eat them after that. I don't care. What's the do we just get the guy? I bet the people he's met, he's meeting with, were revealed also. We do them all. That's that. that that's not my. That's not my. That's not my my, my kettle of fish. That champ. So Field means they're a meal. All right. No. <laughs> the banshee's trying to be the reasonable one. <laughs> I, okay. I'll put him to sleep. Makes it more tender for my dear friend. Uh, okay. Cool. So we go up to the door. Is the door unlocked? Don't need soon, boss. Mister, you're opening the door. I'm gonna I'm gonna check and see if it's locked first. It is not locked. It is not locked. Okay. I'm going to I I want to make it act like I'm trying to pick the lock anyway, like it is locked. Just okay. so it's Does anyone to be like else sneaky in the part mode. have pick lock as a skill? I do no, not. No, but I do have sneak. So I want to, if Puddin can detect that he's trying to do something sneaky and pretend, I'd like the opportunity. Sneak is your stat. Everyone has sneak. Yeah. You said um, sneak was also how you, you detect if somebody else is being sneaky. You don't understand lockpicking. So you, yeah. you pretend, you, you can Looks pull good to me. an easy fake. Yeah. You picked I the lock on. for you guys. Oh, hold on, I'm almost done. 
There we go. Okay, got it open. We're good. The alarms didn't go off. Mm. My way faster. Mm. Your way louder. Putting like right. loud. The stealth guy's like, I don't like putting. <laughs> Be quiet. Okay, boss. All right, so you guys open the door. Very tenderly, very carefully. We so get all door opens up into the... You are essentially at one end of the mall. Metal grates drop down in front of stores. It's dark. There is emergency lighting on, so there is some light. But it is fairly shady. There are... In front of you, there's a kiosk that's closed up with padlocks on it. There's a symbol of sunglasses on top of the kiosk. The big store behind you, the big gate has a big sign over it that you can't read, but it looks like it has articles of clothing in the windows. And then to your left, as you look down the hall, to your left, there's one that looks like it has candles in it and one with really small clothing in it. And then on the other side, there's a couple of the store that looks like it has candy in it. And then a sporting store. And then some sort of a goth store. Excellent. These are all right here at this end of the mall. If you look down the hall further, two more kiosks before the hallway takes a bend to the left. And you can't see what's further down it. It is very quiet. Is there one of those mall map things with the star where you are here? Yes, there is. I want to look. I'm going to direct the pudding to that map. Go to that 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 thing there. All right. So are you doing like the ratatouille thing? Like you tug at his ears and get him to turn left and right? And... I'm not going to tug on him too much. I'm going to ask him. But Go to that thing over there. I want to look at it. Big flat thing? Yes. Think I can eat it? No. But if you see a fork... That's the direction we need to go. Puddin' will lumber towards the big sign thing and still scanning constantly for anything that he can eat. Do we see a fork indicating the food court? Actually, yes, and it's at the opposite end. There's a fork and a spoon, like crisscross things. Oh, map. Boss smart. We need? Of course. The food court is where we're going, but we gotta we be extra quiet once, we, map. once we get there. Grab both sides of it. Rip! and try to rip the entire map loose and take it with us. You're trying to pull the, 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 the thing right off? Uh-huh. All right, give me a strength check minus two again. Two. All right, so you rip it off. There's a loud crunch sound. There's a happy sound. The light that was inside it no longer is on. You hear the noise echo down the hall. Please set that down gently. Does the map go away? Jeez. Ah, didn't go away. It wasn't a digital map. It was a... Illuminated print gotcha. up map, okay. oh, but it's no longer illuminated. Boss wanted map. I can see it fine where it was. You can mm. set it down quietly now. Okay. And he doesn't understand quiet. He does understand quietly, so he attempts to do. All right. They've already made a, a loud noise. You've torn the thing off. Everybody, give me a sneak check. You're gonna roll one die, and you want to roll your sneaker under. Success. Success. I rolled a one. Yeah, Everybody succeeded. Look at that. All right. You hear voices and footsteps. Yeah. I want to try to get... Where are they coming from? Further down the hall. You guys are basically at the end. Yep. And it's coming... From, from like the fork there? Yeah. Like the, the branch, yeah. Where it bends, yeah. How far away is that? That is... 
about 100 feet. About 100 feet. Okay. Could I sneakily run so that I'm within 50 feet of that branch and then hide, like, by, by pressing back up against one of the metal grates? So, like, the, they're probably, like, recessed from the wall a little bit. So, so I want to kind of like, hide in that recess. So yeah. you want to, you could either duck into one of those or you could hide behind one of the, the planter kiosks center, or something. Planter yeah. kiosks that are placed down the middle of the aisle. Yeah, and knowing that I want to be kind of like within 50 feet, what do I think is kind of the best hiding spot? There is a rather large kiosk that you could probably uh, stay behind. Cool. Okay. Uh, up near the corner. All right. Put so you have the kiosk. Put so me. you're running up there? Um, yep. Telling. All right. Give me, give me a sneak check just to see if you stay out of sight. Sure. <laughs> I rolled a 10, so no, I did not. No. Okay. All right, it's so the only thing I could have rolled and failed. Great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what are the other two doing? Anything? Put, put me on top of the kiosk, then go hide on the other side of the door we just came out of. Mm. Wait for my Okay. Signal. And Puddin gingerly okay. places you on top of a kiosk Aww. and does not go anywhere near the door that you told him to. Instead, he heads over to like a big cabana-like front entrance of Aeropostale and just tucks behind one of the shutters a little bit. And tries to All right, so mannequin. you're not going back to the door. You're just going to go try to hide in one of the, in one, in front of one of the gates, like in the inset. Yeah. Okay. All right. Give me a sneak check minus three. You're nine. You're nine nine feet tall and green. So. <laughs> How do we? So you're going to subtract three from the one and, and then roll it. You roll the one again. It's a one. It's a one. You are managing to stay invisible, hulking in a freaking doorway. He was stepped on a, on something on the floor to go ahead and let people know where I was. Like, that's well, very sneaky. You basically, your clothing was still showing as they stepped around the corner. The only one that can clearly see them, because the other two are hiding, is Figs. There are two, they look human, coming around the corner. They are dressed in a navy blue shirt, pants, cap. They have some sort of electronic devices. One on each side of their belt. One of them is holding a flashlight, and the other one is holding a baton. Are any of them co- holding water or coffee? No. Okay. That is a good question to ask, Mister. I like to freeze things. They do stop because they see Vister. Somebody over there. One of them says. The other one's like, "Come out! Come out of there, you!" I will. So assuming that they're that so is it clear that they're talking to me? Actually, it's probably not clear that they're talking to me. You're not I looking assume. at them. Right. You hear them saying this. You aren't fully aware that they can see you. All right. You're the sneaky uh, one. Come on. You, you're high. I am the sneaky one. Yeah. I tried. <laughs> I tried to be sneaky. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So instead, what I'm going to do. Okay. Is there where I'm hiding in the kiosk? Is there like a? Is there something I can throw? In the kiosk, like what's it's, in the kiosk? It's locked up. It has those wooden panels pulled down on the sides and padlocks. Yep. So there isn't anything loose. I right. have to start trying to smash it. I, could I pick the padlock real quick? So you're gonna try to pick the padlock while you're hiding mm-hmm. there? I'm gonna try okay. to pick the padlock and then sneak my hand up and grab whatever it is that the kiosk is selling. All right. So the, all right. So give me a, a sneak check for it's pick sneak. lock. Yep. Yeah. It's a pretty dumb basic yep. uh, padlock. So give me a sneak check roll on it. Okay, Whew, I just barely made it. I rolled an eight, but my sneak is nine. Okay. So I popped it. It pops. Yep, you so can I re- pop it open. 
reach my hand up like between the kiosk and the plywood and see like what can I grab? What is it that's on the kiosk? Okay. You grab something squishy and soft. Excellent. Cool. Are either of the other two going to do anything at this moment? We aren't officially in combat yet, but everybody gets a turn. I'm going to observe and assume that they are both, or just kind of make sure that they are both human and not our actual target. Is there any way for me to determine a human versus a disguised fae? Give me a wit check. You're trying to observe them from up there. I did not succeed. All right. They look human to you. You don't see anything discerning them from a human. But then again, you also don't know what Malfor looks like. Yeah. Puddin, you doing anything? Puddin is gesturing to figs with one finger, like, towards them. And then it takes this big maul. Give me a sneak check, Puddin. <laughs> Eight. What's your sneak? My sneak is five. You... Draw attention to yourself, waving your metal pole in the air and waving at the mug. They are taken aback a bit. <laughs> oh, somebody! Oh, shit! <laughs> <laughs> How close are they to the kiosk I'm standing on? You are all the way back at the first kiosk, so you're a good distance away. You're probably about eighty feet. All right. Was I able, so when I snuck up to the kiosk that I'm at, was I able to get within 50 feet of them? Yes, you are two kiosks ahead of where the Mogwai is. All right, so I know I can't see them. However, I can now, can I assume from their tone of voice that they have seen the gigantic troll at this point? Give me a wit check. Happily, that's what I figured. Roll low, come on. Oh, I did not succeed. You aren't sure, you don't know what they're talking about. Alright, cool. Then I'm still going to go with my original plan then and try to confuse them. Whatever it is that I snuck down from the kiosk, I basically want to throw down the hallway and try to bluff them into thinking that there's someone down there. Try to get them try focusing away from where we All are. Alright. So you're going to chuck it down the hall? Yep. Okay. Uh, in, in a way that, like, maybe especially like behind them, maybe, so that they don't see it flying, but they just hear the noise of it down there. Alright, you're hoping they don't see you throw it, so give me a, exactly. give me a sneak check. See if you can be sneaky about it. They are looking at the giant thing in the sh- that's pretty far away. But they think they're seeing an enormous man of some kind. Excellent. I rolled a one. So, yeah, they did not see it. It hits the ground behind them, and it makes a squeaky sound. They do turn to look. Flash, you can tell because the light of the flashlight spins around. They don't say anything, but they're, they've turned and faced the other way now. All right, the other two. Figs? I'm going to come down from the side of the kiosk that they can't see me at and basically climb down. Okay. And then move as quickly and quietly as I can on the opposite side of where they are so I can come around the back side of them. I figure I'm a foot tall. They're looking at a big giant guy. I'm going to be the least of their worries. Okay, so you're going to run up basically the opposite side. Like The troll's on the right side in, in one of those bump outs. Yeah. And you're going to take the left side and try to run up that way. Maybe they'll yeah. take it to mouse or something. Yeah, exactly. I'm all right. Yeah. All right. Give me a sneak check anyway. Let's see if you make a lot of noise doing this. Made it exactly. Exact? Oh, you are. You basically so far the only one that's failed at being sneaky is the sneaky guy. <laughs> yeah, you make that. too. That's how they saw Nobody me. Nobody even notices you do that. The, you they saw me waving it. my big pole around. 
Huh? They did see me waving my big pole around. Yes, they did be careful. see that. Be okay. be, be, you'll, you'll be all right, Josh. You'll be all right. And, and you've lost track of Figs. You didn't see where he went. Well, I was going to ask that because I have two questions. One was I was looking directly at Figs to attempt to communicate with him. So yes. did I see him climb off the other side? You saw I mean, him I know where he went after that. He disappeared off the edge and maybe he's behind it. That's fair. He moved. He advanced. He's no longer where I can communicate with him. I now have to make my yes. own decisions. Yes. Did I realize that they saw me? Give me a wit check. <laughs> He's been rolling two. ones. I got a two. So yes, yeah, they look. They were. They shined the flashlight at you, and they saw you. But now they're momentarily facing the other way. So at this point, then, Puddin knows that he has to either fool them or kill them. <laughs> okay. He leans. He steps out a little bit in the dark, and yells. Bigfoot needs pads! Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. Join us at www.ttjourneys.com where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. You can also stay in touch by subscribing to our Twitter, at TT Journeys, by joining our Facebook group, Tabletop Journeys, or by sending an email directly to podcast at ttjourneys.com. And remember, if you want early access to all of our episodes, a chance to drop dice with your favorite hosts, and maybe even appear in one of our actual plays, you can join our Patreon to help support the show at patreon.com forward slash TT Journeys. You're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, or Audible. We would appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast on that platform. Full episodes come out every week on Saturdays, and every Tuesday features our actual play episodes. Thank you for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And in the words of another traveler along our path, we bid you shade and sweet water.